Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Now, today, I'm going to be having a little bit different kind of podcast, and we're going to talk about successfully analyzing teams and games and why writers and talking heads get it wrong so often. So let's go ahead and get started. So this should be interesting and a little bit different. Normally you're hearing me praising or yelling at the teams I like. Today I'm going to be talking about how writers, talking heads, and maybe even other podcasters assess and analyze sports players and sports teams. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit today. Um, I want to spend this podcast solely discussing how sports teams, games, players are analyzed versus how they should be analyzed. Let's get right into it. The first thing I want to talk about is something I call the analysis echo chamber, right? An echo chamber, when you hear in the colloquial, right, is someone says something and a particular group of people just keep saying it over and over to people all the time. And you see this online in Facebook, right? People that only follow certain other people. It's an echo chamber of whatever, good things, hate, bad things. But basically, there's a lack of sort of new ideas, right? And there's an analysis echo chamber that exists in sports and amongst the analysts in sports. Um, It means that much of the time, whatever the first take is on a particular game or a particular player, that take, almost all the other sports reporters, podcasters, talking heads tend to agree with it or have that same take. And there's no way that every single analyst across the globe and across, you know, the internet all feel the same way about particular players, sports, games, etc. But it's incredibly similar. And I have, I think it has to do with, you know, the first one out gets their voice heard and then everyone else kind of agrees to that or shies away from disagreeing with that. I mean, sometimes even before the game ends, you know, I don't know, writers might hear, a broadcaster on an away game, say something good or bad, whatever. Um, And that becomes the theme of all the takes that week. The game hasn't even ended yet, but you heard this guy saying, hey, the quarterback was great. And so you hear that throughout the week, regardless of how the quarterback actually finished the game or really did, right? So number one is I definitely don't see a whole lot of original thought in some of the analysis out there. There definitely is an echo chamber. Number two, there's a watering down of player analysis, and particularly when that analysis leans toward the negative side. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. When a player or players have bad games, often the degree of awfulness is downplayed by the press and watered down in mealy-mouthed sentences. If a hitter has been just putrid, awful, for three weeks, you know, we might read about how this particular hitter quote, you know, has had some struggles lately. You know, a pitcher that can hit the broad side of a friggin' barn is described the next day in the paper as, you know, he has occasional control issues. The quarterback that's inaccurate as friggin' hell, right, is described as having occasional accuracy issues, followed by, you know, three paragraphs of meaningless data trying to balance that with, you know, support for why the quarterback maybe doesn't blow balls. The manager that can't get anything right is almost never questioned, right? on anything meaningful over time, constantly putting in, for example, a worse lefty pitcher over and over and over, game after game after game, to face a lefty batter, even though the hot righty pitcher who's in there is mowing down the opposing lineup. 
and a manager that does this over and over and over, who shall remain nameless, is something that needs to be called out as bad management. But it almost never, ever, ever gets mentioned. Never, right? It's watered down. Now, believe me, I want to make this clear. I fully realize that a lot of reporters have to interact daily, weekly with coaches and players frequently, sometimes in person, sometimes in Zoom. I understand that they have to maintain a relationship. I understand that they don't want to be too harsh or too extreme for fear of jeopardizing their working relationship with the coaches, the players, right? So I get it. I really understand it. But that doesn't make it any less manning as fans, right? To have to sit and listen to Michael K say nothing over and over and over as a hot pitcher is removed only to see, you know, boom, put in a shit reliever that gets shelled all over the park. It doesn't make it any last manning for us. The fact that Kay has to talk to Boone all the time doesn't make me want to rip Kay's face off when he doesn't say anything about how, you know, a particular manager keeps doing the same thing over and over, right? So it's it's really important to note that there's quite a bit of watering down when it comes to negative analysis, right? Um, I should mention, by the way, on the opposite side, that when a player is doing well, Writers and announcers have absolutely no problem of going overboard, hyping them, exaggerating, spilling hyperbole left and right. You know, the New York Post, if you ever read their online things, everyone's a star. They call every player on every team. Giant star does this. Giant star does that. You know, Ranger star did this. Yankees, everybody's a star, right? The hyperbole for the smallest good thing they did is amazing. So on the good side, they have no problem going way above and beyond what you'd normally say. So my point is that, When these writers, these talking heads, are discussing something good, no amount of hyperbole is too much sometimes. But the opposite is true when discussing something bad. You get muted comments. The negative things they say, you know, that they have to write are generally, even when they do, they're mitigated by, you know, three meaningless stats about how this other thing, you know, this player did was good. You know, they can't even write one negative thing without having to sort of, in their mind, balance it out so that it doesn't seem overly negative. So good things get amplified. Weaknesses and problems are muted and downplayed. And it's annoying to me as a fan and as someone who wants others, you know, to be mad when you are. And if you're a real fan, you know what I'm talking about. When you're mad, you want other people to be mad with you at your team, right? You don't want to see other people, you know, placating us and talking in platitudes and measuring their words. Like if if I have to hear Boone with his mealy mouth answer one more time after every game... You don't want muted, even-toned, you know, platitudes when a team or a person is terrible. You want people to tell you like it is. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast is it was kind of sickening hearing other analysts and other announcers and other podcasters talking in platitudes, talking in half measures, giving half analysis, right? If someone is awful, I say they blow balls, right? If someone else, some other podcaster, some other talking head knows someone is awful, we'll say, well, he's got a few things to work on. You know, he's got a ways to improve. You know, he would tell you that he should have caught that ball. You know, words like that, that are just one of, it makes you want to bang your face, right? It's annoying to me as a fan. And, you know, it's just something that I I feel needs to happen more in sports. And that is kind of an honest, open-eyed take on how good or have, how bad people is. When I see Stanton strike out for the 50th time in a row, I do not want to hear Paul O'Neill tell me, 
it's just about, you know, him seeing the ball and he's going to be fine. It's frustrating as hell. And I imagine it's frustrating as hell for a lot of the people listening here. So that's number two. Number three, analysis of team's issues often, often focuses on only one thing, right? So when a team is bad, a person is bad, one thing is picked out. When things go bad, far too often, only the very worst thing is harped on. So when teams are bad, generally there's multiple reasons for that. When the team loses a game, it's usually for multiple reasons. Far too often you have to hear these analysts write about only what they perceive as the very worst problem and ignoring the other. The, the most recent one is obviously the Giants-Dolphins game, right? All of the analysis from the game was about the offense and the offensive line. And obviously the Giants' offense is a friggin' train wreck and it deserves all the criticism it gets and more. However, most writers completely friggin' ignored the Giants' absolutely atrocious train wreck of a defense all year and specifically in this Dolphins game. Matter of fact, I heard one more on a podcast talking about how the defense, quote unquote, stepped up, gave the offense a chance. And all this other ridiculous, ridiculous nonsense, just bonkers stuff. The Giants defense gave up fucking 524 fucking yards, even though they actually took the ball over, turned the ball over three times. They got three turnovers and still gave up 524 yards. But all the articles focus on is the disgusting Giants offensive line in their miserable offense in general. And I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that in this case that shouldn't be the focus. What I'm trying to say is that shouldn't be the only focus. Note the distinction there. What I'm saying is that analysts become myopic, and they only see the worst thing. They can't see anything else. They don't see the second worst thing, and in most cases they don't discuss it. And sometimes they make platitudes and say the defense played okay, even though they gave up 524 yards. And I want to pull my hair out. I'm thinking, what is it you're watching? Just because one thing is bad doesn't mean a second thing can also be bad. In this case, their offense and their defense. It just sort of infers a lack of a methodical approach when analyzing, you know, defects and what causes, you know, it causes bad folks and it causes people not to see the whole picture of a team. So that's number three. Number four. Incorrectly assigning blame of the management of a team to one particular person or segment. And this part you probably heard before on previous podcasts. And I've said it until I'm blue in the face at this point when it comes to the management of a team. And I'll use, of course, the example of the Yankees, where how it's not an either or issue when assessing blame and management. And this one is something I think 99% of the writers and talking heads do. They get it wrong. And it's maddening. It's fucking maddening. They ask callers, they write in articles, is the problem the GM or is it the manager? You hear callers calling and whatever. You've heard me say this so many times before, but here, here's a newsflash. It's not necessarily either or. These are not mutually exclusive things. Having a bad GM doesn't necessarily mean your manager doesn't also suck balls. It's very possible for the general manager to build a bad team and concurrently, for the manager to not maximize the players that he does have. And for the Yanks, that's exactly what happened. It's exactly it. Cashman is now a dog shit GM. And Boone is a fucking moron manager, right? Just because Cashman built a dog shit team doesn't mean Boone is not a bad manager. He is. Together. They're both bad. In this case, it's not A or B. It's A and B. And I'm telling you almost everyone 
reporting and analyzing games and analyzing teams gets this wrong. Assigning blame to either or every single time and not even thinking about the fact that it could be both and should be both. Last one. Forming an opinion early and never wavering from it. And this I see often too. Many analysts form an opinion early. Maybe they hang out in their little sports people echo chamber and then continue to note that particular player's strength, for example, or a team's weakness for much longer than that particular trait manifests itself on the field. So, you know, um, let's think. Kevin Thibodeau, right? Kevin Thibodeau had last year, 2022, one good game. Literally one good game. It happened to be against Washington. It was in prime time. The announcers commented on it. He had a good game. Mostly a good half, but he had a good game, right? He had two, two, two and a half sacks. Caused a fumble. Really good game. The rest of the year, Kayvon Thibodeau was absolutely dog shit. All we heard the rest of the year was how good Kayvon Thibodeau was in spite of a continued lack of production by Kayvon the rest of the season. Every single week, we kept hearing what a force he is, and he most definitely was not a force, right? These people manifest an opinion, or they see one game, and they do not reflect what they're seeing on the field and update their opinion. He essentially has had no impact on any of the games the rest of the season that year, but that didn't stop every single TV commentator from using a week four game, basically. You know, it was the fourth week of the season to talk about how great Thibodeau was, you know, week, week 15 of the year when he hadn't got a fucking sack since then. They're still talking about how, how great he is. He does not impact the game. He has not been impacting the game. The last two or three games here, he's got a few sacks. He's still not impacting the game. He got a couple sacks when it didn't matter. But bottom line is that's an example where someone forms an opinion about a player, a team, a trait, and it doesn't matter what else happens after that. No one changes their opinion about you know, that the analyst doesn't change your opinion about what they're seeing. And it's something that has to be broken, right? Forming an opinion early occurs in all sports and too frequently, right? It's obviously good to have an opinion early, but one's analysis has to change, you know, and, and match the facts on the ground. If someone sucked early and then becomes good, the opinion needs to reflect that. It took the Yankee announcers, I think, until mid-August to admit that Clark Schmidt was pitching really well, right? He had a terrible first couple starts, but then, like, starting in May, he was just good, 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 good. Boone kept taking him out too early in the fifth inning, sixth inning. He's pitching good, good, good in June, good, 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 good in July, good, good. Finally in August, yeah, you know, the Schmidt's doing all right, you know, but but really, really, it took, like, 15 straight really good starts for them to admit that Schmidt was actually pitching good. Right. They formed an early opinion, you know, even after almost immediately after it, Schmidt turned his season around, they did not change their opinion until way after that. Right. Artemi Panarin continues to read compliments, even when his play last year was mostly poor and has been dog shit the last two playoffs. And you don't really hear anything from the analysts. Opinions need to change over time to accurately reflect play. That's the bottom line, both for teams and for players. Okay. And that's really it. So there you have it. That's kind of my assessment of how analysts get things wrong. And some of the general problems that I have with writers and the talking heads. So maybe I'll recap and then get out of here for you. So things that I think are problems or things that I think should change. 
you have the analysis echo chamber, you know, one person has the opinion, you know, it's the same group of 20, 15 writers. And once someone gets one out, all the rest of the opinions are exactly the same, right? Even in a game where it was 50-50, whether you think someone did well or not, all the opinions are one way or the other. It happens all the time. Number two, the watering down of player analysis, you know, the, all these words that never really accurately reflect just how shitty that a, a person is. They don't say it when a person, you know, does well. Then, then you have no watering down at all. You have hyperbole. It's the other side. But when anyone does anything bad, everything is watered down. Number three, the analysis of teams' issues only focus on one thing. You know, the Giants' offense is the whole, you know, all the problem. How can the Giants? Never mind the 524 yards the defense gave up. Incorrectly assigning blame is number four to just one part of the management. Is it just the GM? Or is it just the manager? God forbid it's both, right? And the last thing was forming an opinion early and then just never waving for, waving from it, no matter what you see on the field. So those are things that I think are pretty common when I see people analyzing games. And honestly, a lot of these things that I just mentioned are the reason I started this podcast, because I wanted to you know, break from some of those habits and give a honest, no-holds-barred opinion of the teams that I love and the teams that I root for. So that's it. A little different kind of podcast for you today, guys. Thanks for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good one.